Hey everybody, welcome to OTR Playlist, part of the Throwback Network. My name is Ferg, I'm one of your hosts. Sean wanted to be here today, but uh, it's Christmas time, it's a busy time for everybody. Uh, I found myself to be very busy this month, and Sean has three kids, which is three more than I have, and uh, he's taking a break, <laughs> which is totally understandable. We definitely wanted to do a Christmas episode, but Sean just couldn't get the time to do it, so I told him that uh, I would uh, do my best to put one together. So uh, we did both pick the episodes. Um, first episode we're going to play today is the Christmas episode of My Friend Irma that was broadcast in December of 1948. My Friend Irma was a uh, CBS radio program that uh, was broadcast from 1947 to 1954. It starred Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane, who was the narrator of the show. Also appearing was uh, veteran character actor Hans Conried as Professor Kropotkin. Now, this was uh, also made into a television show uh, and was broadcast from 1952 to 1954, and was also made into two films, which uh, both of which uh, starred Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Uh, the first one actually introduced them to uh, movie audiences. And Marie Wilson as Irma was in all of these productions. So I'm doing some research on this show, I actually found out that there was an, a lawsuit based around the show. It was a guy named Arthur Curlin, and he tried to bring the play and the film My Sister Eileen to CBS Radio. Instead of that, uh, the show My Friend Irma appeared. So he sued uh, CBS and settled uh, for $75,000. And the only thing I could find about Curlin was actually the, this lawsuit. And uh, that's how I found out that he got $75,000. <laughs> so this episode of My Friend Irma, as I mentioned, was uh, broadcast in December 1948. Uh, Irma plans a Christmas party with all of her friends. And uh, unfortunately, all of her friends, it was a surprise Christmas party. And all of her friends have other plans. But then they uh, eventually realize that they want to be with Irma. But Irma is missing. So uh, they try to find her. Also, I'll be playing an episode of My Favorite Husband, which was a, a CBS comedy that went from 1948 to 1951. And this was sponsored by Jell-O, and you could tell right away it was sponsored by Jell-O when uh, the star Lucille Ball says, Jell-O, everybody. <laughs> and uh, as I said, the stars Lucille Ball and Richard Denning. And this show is based on two novels by a woman named Isabel Scott Rorick. And uh, it was originally um, Mr. and Mrs. Cougat in the uh, radio show, but the names were eventually changed to Cooper to avoid confusion with the band leader, Xavier Cougat. In the radio show, uh, the Cougats or Coopers started out as a rich banker and a socialite wife, but they were later changed to more of a, a middle-class family. CBS wanted to uh, make a TV version of this show, but uh, Lucille Ball did not want to do it without her real husband, who of course is Desi Arnaz, and it was eventually reworked into I Love Lucy, which I'm sure everyone has heard of. Great, great show. So this was broadcast in December 1949, and in this one, uh, Liz, Lucille Ball, tries to uh, knit a sweater for her husband for Christmas, and she's having a really hard time of it, and her mother-in-law is not helping matters at all. The last show we're going to play is uh, Lux Radio Theater, which uh, ran from 1934 to 1955 on the uh, NBC Blue Network, the CBS Network, and then the... Uh, regular NBC network. Now, Lux Radio Theater was one-hour adaptations of originally Broadway shows, but then they uh, started doing movies later on. And, of course, was uh, sponsored by Lux Soap, and Lux Soap is still in existence today. It's part of the Unilever conglomerate. You can hear mention uh, of the Lever Brothers during the show. 
This was uh, first done in New York City and then moved to Hollywood when it started doing the movies. And it had its own theater in Hollywood, the Lux Radio Playhouse. Now this, what we're going to hear today is A Miracle on 34th Street, which is, of course, the great 1947 movie uh, starring Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Natalie Wood. Miracle on 34th Street, of course, is a Christmas perennial favorite nowadays. Uh, it was done twice on Lux Theater in 1947 and 1948. And this version was broadcast in 1948, and it features the stars from the film Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne. Also, during the show, I'm going to put in some uh, Christmas music from the time. There will be a uh, Glenn Miller, Chesterfield Moonlight Serenade show. Those were 15-minute shows, and it will feature some Christmas music there and also some others. So sit back and relax and enjoy some Christmas old-time radio. safety of your smile, use Pepsodent twice a day, see your dentist twice a year. Lever Brothers Company presents the Pepsodent Show, My Friend Irma, created by Cy Howard and starring Marie Wilson as Irma with Joan Banks as Jane. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship when other friendships have been forgotten. at 8224 West 73rd Street, New York City. And on the third floor in apartment 3D, all is serene and quiet. Except for my roommate, Irma Peterson, who is reading. T'was the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring. Ah! Look, Gina, mouse! <laughs> now, don't get excited. It's lost. It's probably looking for Professor Kropotkin's room. Oh, gee, Jane, I've never been so happy on Christmas Eve and... That's because I have such wonderful friends. You and Richard and Miss O'Reilly and Professor Kropotkin. And, of course, Al. Oh, by all means, Al. Of course, I can't really consider Al a friend because I'm going to marry him. <laughs> Naturally. And, Jane, you don't know what it means to have a few good friends you can count on, especially a Christmas Eve. Well, you know, when you'd really like to be with your family, but... Mine lives over 1,500 miles from here. Irma, you never say much about your family. Oh, Jane, there isn't much to say. They're just an average family, just like me. <laughs> Perfectly normal people. For instance, there's, there's Anna Peterson, my younger sister. Uh, she's not as old as I am. <laughs> it figures. And there's my brother, Ernie Peterson. Uh, he's engaged. To be married, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, what about your parents? Oh, I miss them the most. They're just like a mother and father to me. <laughs> you know that happens in most families, Irma. But gee, they're, they're all in Minnesota and I'm here. But I'm not lonesome because I'm surrounded by good friends and Jane, I really appreciate them. 
That's why I'm giving a Christmas Eve surprise party tonight for you and Richard and Professor Kropotkin and Mrs. O'Reilly and Al. Tonight? Uh-huh. Oh, Irma, honey. Well, I don't know how to tell you, but... Uh, tell me what? Well, dear... Uh, excuse me, honey. Hello? Oh, hello, Richard. What? Yes, I know it's formal. No, I've never been to the Long Island Country Club. Yes, I'm terribly excited. It'll be our second Christmas Eve together. Oh, I'll be ready. Goodbye, dear. Jane, you you mean you're going out tonight with Richard? Or what about my Christmas Eve party? Well, honey, you didn't say anything about it, and Richard invited me to a Christmas party at the Long Island Country Club. I'd hate to miss it. It's the affair of the season. Well, but this is Christmas Eve, and I, I thought tonight we'd be together. Christmas Eve isn't like other holidays, you know. Well, I realize that, honey, but... Well, I, I could understand it if it was Independence Day, then we wouldn't have to be together. <laughs> we could be independent. Irma, I'm terribly sorry, but... Well, there's nothing I can do about it. Richard asked me weeks ago. Anyway, my not being here shouldn't spoil your party. You'll, you'll still have Professor Kropotkin and, and Mrs. O'Reilly and Al. I understand, Jane, I still have the others. Sure. Uh, come in. It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> How are my two little Christmas trees? One full grown and the other a little sapling? <laughs> Why, Professor? Excuse me, a little yuletide joke. By the way, girls, a Merry Christmas to you both. Merry Christmas to you, too. Merry Christmas, Professor. I hope you'll excuse me for coming down. I don't mean to interrupt, but I wasn't feeling so good. And when I don't feel so good, I always rush out of my room as fast as I can. Why? I wouldn't be found dead in that play. Well, girls, do you realize tonight is Christmas Eve? Yes, and just look at that blanket of snow outside. Isn't it lovely? That is a matter of opinion. If Mrs. O'Reilly doesn't put glass in my windows, not only will I have a blanket of snow, I'll have a carpet of the same material. <laughs> oh, Irma, you'd better ask the professor about this evening before it's too late. Oh, yes. Uh, professor, will you come to my Christmas Eve party tonight? Tonight? Oh, Irma, I'm so sorry. You mean... You mean you can't come either? Well, it can't be helped. I'm, uh, tonight I'm playing my fiddle at the Gypsy Tea Room. I've been practicing all day. Oh, that's terrible. Yes, I know, but they pay me for it. <laughs> First Jane disappoints me, and now you. Well, now, look, honey, the professor can't help it. He must earn a living. And after all, you still have Mrs. O'Reilly and, and maybe the Martins upstairs. And, of course, there's Al. Come in. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Well, the same to you, Mrs. O'Reilly. Merry Christmas. Say, Mrs. O'Reilly, that's a beauty from stairs. But that sign in the middle of it. You don't like it? Merry Christmas, lots of cheer. Remember the landlady or you'll freeze next year. <laughs> To me, it's not a sentimental thought. Miss O'Reilly, I'm giving a big surprise Christmas Eve party tonight for you and Al. We come tonight. Oh, Irma, darling, I'm so sorry. You... You mean you're too busy, too? Yes, the Martins have invited me to go to Jersey with them. And since they owe me four months back rent, I can't afford to let them get on the train by themselves. <laughs> 
This is awful. First Jane turned me down, and the professor, now you. <laughs> Maybe next year, Armadia. Merry Christmas and goodbye. Oh, Jane. Oh, sweetie, now stop crying. I, I know you're disappointed, but you should have told us about your party earlier. And besides, honey, you won't be left alone. You bought some food, didn't you? What do you mean? Of course I bought some food. Then Al will show up, I guarantee it. <laughs> Speaking of food, I think I'll go up to my room and have my dinner. Are you cooking, Professor? No, I just take one look at that dump, I sit down and I eat my heart out. <laughs> Merry Christmas, girls. I'm sorry. I'm... Honey, I'm sorry things turned out this way for you. Oh, it's all right, Jane. This is one way of finding out who my real friends are. They're Al. Every one of them. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hiya, chicken. Merry Christmas. Oh, gee, Al. Merry, merry Christmas. I'm so glad to see you. Same here, chicken. I like being with you, too. Mind if I warm my hands on the radiator? Well, of course not, honey. Uh, how'd they get so cold? Wanted to take the crosstown trolley, but with all that snow on the ground, took me four hours to find a transfer. <laughs> That's too bad, and your poor face is so red. Uh, uh, that ain't from the cold, chicken. They caught me with yesterday's transfer. <laughs> oh, my goodness, look at the time. Richard's going to pick me up in an hour, and I haven't even started to dress. Al, aren't you going to take your top coat off? Oh, thanks, Jane, but I ain't staying. Just came in to wish chicken a Merry Christmas. I gotta be on my way. Got a big deal brewing. Oh, Al. Oh, oh chicken, it's important. Oh, you Business is business, chicken. I gotta be running along. But I'll be left all alone on Christmas Eve, and, and Al, I depended on you, my own boyfriend. Chicken, if I could only explain. <laughs> Don't bother. None of you must think very much of me if you can leave me alone on Christmas Eve. Find friends I have. Goodbye. How do you like that? Al. Of all the low-down, contemptible, good-for-nothing... Hold it, Jane. I won't have you saying those things about the girl I love. <laughs> I'm not talking about Irma. I mean you. How could you desert her on Christmas Eve of all nights? Me, I, I have to go out with Richard, but you're her boyfriend. Oh, Jane, I love Irma. And when a man is in love, he ain't responsible. He, he, he may do strange things, things he'd never do in his right mind. What are you talking about? I went and got a job. You got a job? Al, have you been drinking? Knew it would shock you, but it's just for one night. <laughs> Want to make a little dough and buy Irma a present. Oh, well, I apologize, Al. I'm sorry I yelled at you. Forget it, Jane. Oh, gee. Listen, Al, the Christmas carolers... See, that's pretty. Would like to stay, but I, I gotta get to work. Tell her I'll see you tomorrow, huh? Goodbye.
It's me, Richard. Jane. Jane? Well, what's wrong? You sound terrible. Richard, I can't go with you to the Christmas dance. Why not? Are you ill? No, Richard, I'm all right. It's just that... Well, Irma... You see, Irma hasn't any family or relatives in New York, and, and this Christmas Eve all our friends seem to be busy, and I just couldn't leave her alone, Richard. I wouldn't want you to. Are you sure you mean that, Richard? Of course, honey, I understand. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye, and Merry Christmas, Jane. Merry Christmas, Richard. But, Al, I thought you left. Came back for my hat. Didn't mean to eavesdrop, Jane, but... If you're willing to give up a good time tonight for Irma, I guess it's my duty to be with Chicken, too. Oh, Al, that'd be just wonderful. But wait a minute. What about the present you were going to get for Irma? If you don't work tonight, where will you get the money for it? Gonna hock my watch. But, Al, that's the only thing you own. You know that no matter how bad times have been, you always said you would never hock your watch. Well, a man like me don't need a watch. I, 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 I sleep all day long. So, so time is not important. And at night, it's too late to do anything. Uh, come in. Oh, it's you, Professor. Excuse me, Jane. I've been thinking about poor little Irma, and, well, I decided to give up the job so tonight I could be with her. But, Professor, won't that cost you money? You get big tips during Christmas. On Christmas Eve, it's not important to make money. It's important to be with friends. After all, what's money? Well, it's pretty important. I see you've been talking to Mrs. O'Reilly again. <laughs> no, no. My little Irma has no father in New York, so tonight Professor Kropotkin will be her father. a boy, Pop. Listen, Al, the first chance I get, I'm disinheriting you. <laughs> Excuse me, everybody. I took the liberty of walking in. Why, Mrs. O'Reilly, I thought you were on your way to New Jersey. I changed my mind. I got to thinking about poor little Irma being all alone tonight. And I just didn't have the heart to go. I'm going to stay here with Irma. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Professor Kropotkin just said he's going to be her father. I tell you, if that's the case, I'll be her mother. <laughs> I got news for you. If you're the mother, I'll be on the train for Reno in the morning. <laughs> Everybody, I've got a wonderful idea. Irma was going to throw a surprise party for us. Now we'll throw one for her. We'll give her the best Christmas a girl ever had. Swell. I'll go out and hock my watch and buy the present. I'll get my wilding. Oh, and we can have the party in my apartment. It's bigger. Come along, Jenny, and we'll start decorating. Oh, it'll be a merry Christmas. Come on, Professor. Take me arm. A fair swap. She's been taking my blood all year. <laughs> Until Irma finds out, she'll be the happiest girl in New York. Train now leaving on track six for Harmon, Poughkeepsie, Albany, Buffalo, and Point Reyes. Where to, miss? Please, mister, what is the fare to Minneapolis? Uh, $58 round trip. $58? I, I only have six. Where can I go for $6? $6? Let me see. How about Niagara Falls? Oh, I couldn't go to Niagara Falls. I'm not even married. <laughs> uh, I'll find some other place to go. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> 
run the tip of your tongue over your teeth. If you feel a slippery coating, you have film on your teeth. And you need Pepsodent with Irium to remove it. For film is worse than you think. Film collects stains that make your teeth look dull. Pepsodent toothpaste removes film, makes your teeth look bright. Film harbors germs that cause unpleasing breath. Pepsodent removes film, makes your breath fresh and clean. Film glues acid to your teeth. The very acid many dentists agree is the cause of tooth decay. Pepsodent toothpaste removes film and the acids it contains. Film never lets up. It forms continually on your teeth. Yes, you have to fight film every day. So brush your teeth twice a day with Pepsodent toothpaste. Because no other toothpaste can duplicate Pepsodent's film-removing formula. No other toothpaste contains irium or Pepsodent's gentle polishing agent. So start now to fight film. Brush your teeth twice a day with Pepsodent, the toothpaste with an exclusive formula for removing film. Well, we're down in Mrs. O'Reilly's room, the professor, Al, and myself. Al is beaming proudly. Come January the 1st, he will have completed a solid six years of steady unemployment. <laughs> I'm setting the table, and Mrs. O'Reilly is out trying to find a Christmas tree. Oh, me aching feet. I've walked all over, and I can't find a Christmas tree. Well, did you see Irma anywhere in the neighborhood? No, I didn't. But it's nothing to worry about. We must get the tree before she gets back. Tree? Well, there's only one man who can help us. Who, Al, as if I didn't know? Who else but... Hello, Joe? <laughs> Al, got a problem. Need a Christmas tree right away. What? I can get one at Macy's already trimmed for a dime? Oh, the dime is for a glass cutter. The tree is in the window. <laughs> no, no, Joe, no. No, this, this is Christmas Eve. When I hear jingle bells, I don't want them on a patrol wagon. What, Joe? You're playing Santa Claus tonight? Going down the chimney? Joe, this is quite a change for you, isn't it? Oh, you're going in with an empty bag and coming out with a full one. <laughs> well, Joe, nothing I can say except good luck and Merry Christmas, noble friend. Oh, Al, what are we going to do? It's getting so late. Stand over there and, and we'll put out all the lights and give her a big kiss. Come in. Merry Christmas, honey. Here's one for me. <laughs> me too, my darling daughter. For goodness sake, will someone please put on the lights? Richard! I thought Irma needed a shave. <laughs> Richard, we didn't expect you. I thought you went to the club. I couldn't take it. Same old crowd, same old monotony. So I realized that I'd rather be here with real people on Christmas Eve. Oh, gee, Richard, I'm so happy and you're more than welcome. Where's Irma? Well, she thought we were all deserting her, so she went out in a huff. That's why we're throwing a surprise party for her. We're waiting for her to come back. Yeah, don't want to find chicken until we can get a Christmas tree, though. Uh, got any ideas, Richard? Why don't we go out and buy one? Nice gesture, Richard. We'll wait here for you. <laughs> Richard, you don't have to. It's my pleasure, Jane. I saw several on the way over. I I'll have one in a few minutes. Be right back. I'll get the cake out of the oven. And I'll make some punch. And I'll tell you when it's right. <laughs> oh, Jane. Jane, what are you crying about? The party's taken four. I know. So wonderful having everyone pitch in, Richard getting a tree, and, and all of you giving up things. Oh, this is 
lady, this is your third round trip on this ferry boat. Ain't you got a home? Ain't you got any friends? No. Well, take my advice. Make some. All right, I'll, I'll try. Thank you, and a Merry Christmas to you. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Sleigh. Oh, what fun it is to ride. On a sleigh. In a one-horse open. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it, fellas. Look, lady, we're Christmas carolers. We don't do this for a living, but we enjoy it. And we rehearse a great deal. We don't mind you joining us, but we like to have the sleigh come after the horse. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, fellas, let's do it again. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride. When the horse comes after the sleigh. <laughs> Look, lady, would you mind running along? Oh, all right. I was just lonely. Merry Christmas. Pardon me, lady. Have you got a dime for a cup of coffee? Oh, you poor man. Uh, and Merry Christmas. Uh, maybe you ought to have another dime for a donut. Oh, thank you. Oh, gosh, I, I don't have any change. Well, would you like me to break that five for you? <laughs> don't mind. Uh, are you all alone in New York, too? Yeah. How about you? I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota? How well I know that place. You know, you look very familiar. I do? Oh, oh my name is Peterson. Of course. You're Peterson's little daughter. My, my father's name is George. Hey, let me think. Peterson. Hey, that must be George Peterson. No, how did you know? Why, I remember. <laughs> you used to live in... Uh, in... Uh, Minneapolis. Let me see. Minneapolis. George Peterson. Minneapolis. <laughs> That's the place I never forget a name. Oh, well, it's... Gee, it, it's so nice to meet some old friends. Especially when you're lonely. You... You can keep the five dollars, sir. Thank you. But this is only a loan. I'll return it the next time I see your father. Good old Fred Petersburg in Wisconsin. <laughs> Perhaps we'd better go home and call the police to look for Irma. Maybe you're right, Jane. Pardon me, but you got a dime. Oh, Al, it's you. <laughs> you got that quarter you owe me? Mushface, ain't you got no character? How can you panhandle on Christmas Eve? Oh, great pickings tonight. Just got a fin from a blonde. Told her I knew her old man, uh, Peterville uh, Peterson in Minnesota. Peterson? Al? Mushface, which way'd she go? Across town. You know what? Why? What's the difference? I've been feeling like a crumb ever since I clipped it. Seemed like such a nice kid. Hey, 
Would you give her back this pin? Yeah, thanks. And Merry Christmas. Hey, bud, you got a dime for a cup of coffee? <laughs> come on, Al, come on. Let's go home and call the police. Now I'm really getting panicky. All right, Jane, I'm with you. I seen that picture, Mildred Pierce. Now you get off this bridge. I was just looking at the water, Mr. Watchman. Look, lady, don't look down there. Everything that's beautiful is up here. It's Christmas Eve, you know. Yes, I know. I'm so lonely. Oh, I get it. You're all alone, huh? Yes. Any friends? Yes, but my closest friends are far away. Well, now, don't you cry, sister. You're coming home with me. We ain't got much, but we're happy to share it. Hey, Bill. Uh, yes, Sergeant? Did you happen to see a blonde girl? Say, lady, what's your name? Irma Peterson. That's all we want to know. Come along, sister. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Didn't do what? I don't know, but my boyfriend always says to say you didn't do it. <laughs> Now, look, Janie, we got to be brave. Now it's up to the police. They'll find it. But we got to take our minds off it. Mrs. O'Reilly, would you like to dance? Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> Al, dance with her. I'll play the fiddle. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. How do you like that? I just started playing and already the neighbors got the police here. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a squad car pulling up. I think it's Irma. My chicken. Oh, Al, it is Irma. The police have found her. She's coming up the steps. Now, quick, turn out the lights, everybody. Come on, we can still surprise her and have the party. Come in, dearie. Irma, darling. Surprise, chicken. Here's a big kiss for you. And here's a kiss from your father. Why, Professor? Vic, turn on the lights. I'm dying. I just kissed Mrs. O'Reilly. Irma, darling, Merry Christmas. Where have you been? Oh, you're all here. I thought no one loved me, and I felt so alone. Oh, honey, don't you know that people always spend Christmas Eve with their loved ones? And you're the one we love the most. Exactly my sentiments. Bless my little Irma. You're like me own daughter. Sure, chicken. I'd never leave you. I want to spend all of my Christmas Eves with you. Oh, this is the best Christmas a girl ever had, surrounded by her friends. Oh, it's midnight. Is that right, Al? Wait a minute. Look at my watch. Al, where are you going to the window? Watch happens to be across the street. <laughs> You're right, chicken. It's 12 o'clock. Merry Christmas, chicken. Merry Christmas, Al. And Merry Christmas, Professor Kropotkin, and, and Mrs. O'Reilly, and Richard, and Jane, and all our friends. Merry, Merry Christmas. And as for me, my sentiments are the same as those of my friend Irma. Don't think that you are safe from film. Nearly everyone has it. Just run the tip of your tongue over your teeth. 
If you feel a slippery coating, that's film. And you'd better get Pepsodent toothpaste to remove it. For film collects stains that make teeth look dull. It harbors germs that cause unpleasing breath. Film glues acid to your teeth. The very acid that many dentists agree is the cause of tooth decay. And remember, film never stops forming. No, it never lets up. So brush your teeth twice a day with film-removing Pepsodent. No other toothpaste contains irium or Pepsodent's gentle polishing agent. No other toothpaste can duplicate Pepsodent's film-removing formula. Get Pepsodent toothpaste with irium today. My Friend Irma is produced and directed by Cy Howard and stars Marie Wilson as Irma with Joan Banks as Jane. Mark Levy writes the script with Stanley Adams and Roland McLean and is brought to you by Pepsodent Toothpaste with Arium, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company. The part of Al was played by John Brown. Hans Conrad is Professor Kropotkin, Gloria Gordon was heard as Mrs. O'Reilly, and Donald Woods as Richard. Music was under the direction of Glenn Gluskin. This is Wendell Niles speaking. The R-I-S-K, brisk flavor. That's what you get in Lipton Tea. Yes, brisk flavor that picks you up, brings you back alive in a hurry. Brisk flavor that comes from Lipton's very special blending of the finest orange pico and pico teas. Try it. You'll find that this brisk flavor of Lipton's leaves you refreshed and ready to go again. And you can enjoy it often, because even wonderful tea like Lipton's costs less than any drink except water. Always ask for Lipton tea, the brisk tea, with that heartwarming Lipton lift. Tune in one hour earlier next week and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, followed by the Pepsodent Show, My Friend Irma. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, brought to you by the Jello family of desserts. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper, two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers, it's morning, and there are seven shopping days left until Christmas. George is eating breakfast, and Liz is in the kitchen with Katie, the maid. Katie. Yes, Mrs. Cooper? Have you any idea what George is going to give me for Christmas? Has he said anything? Not a thing. Oh, darn. I've got to find out. Why? Well, I'm knitting him a sweater, and and if he's giving me something wonderful, maybe a measly sweater isn't enough to give him. Oh. On the other hand, if, if he's giving me some dinky little thing... Why should I knock myself out knitting him a beautiful sweater? Hi, <laughs> Mrs. Cooper. Oh, Katie, you don't think I'm serious. It's the thought behind the gift that counts. It doesn't make any difference to me what kind of a fur coat George gives me. <laughs> well, I wish I could help you. Well, don't worry, I'll find out before he leaves that breakfast table. Here, give me the coffee, I'll take it in. Ooh, jingle bells, jingle bells, dee dee dee. Good morning, dear. Good morning, Katie. What? Oh, oh, I was reading. Uh, good morning, Liz, darling. Mm, how's my little husband this morning? Hmm? Uh, fine, thanks. Well, is there anything I can do for my sweet little ever-loving baby boy? Yes. Hmm? What? Stop trying to find out what I'm giving you for Christmas. <laughs> oh, you. Come on, George. Iris knows what she's getting. Mr. Atterbury's giving her a mink stole for Christmas. How does she know? She already picked it out and charged it to him. Well, that's a pretty good clue. Are you buying me a mink stole? If I bought you a mink, it would have to be sole. <laughs> I made a funny. But it wasn't very. Oh. 
Oh, well, if you won't tell me what I'm getting, at least you could tell give, sort of give me a hint. Oh, all right. It's, uh, it's big. Yes. And it's small. Huh? It also has long, shaggy hair and three wheels, takes out ink spots, and runs eight days without winding. That's what your mother gave us last Christmas. It is not. <laughs> Say, we never did find out what that was uh, for, did you, did we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, George. Tell me what I'm getting. Uh, well, I'll tell you this much, though. I bought it, and it's in the hall closet, and I want you to stay out of there, understand? Understand. All right. Now, kiss me goodbye, honey. I'm late for the bank. Okay. Now, <laughs> <laughs> mm. now hurry down to the bank. What bank? Uh-oh. I gave him too many volts for this early in the morning. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. Bye. Mrs. Cooper. Hmm? Mrs. Cooper. Why are you standing there staring at the hall closet? George told me my present was in the hall closet and then made me promise to leave it alone. Only a man could think of a mean thing like that. What are you going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. And then what? Katie, you won't find me stooping to snooping I'm sure I won't Of course, if there happened to be something in there I needed I'd have to look in the closet, wouldn't I? Huh? Yes, ma'am What's in there that I might need? Well, there's your um, umbrella But the sun is shining Oh, how do you like that, Katie? Suddenly it looks like rain Mm, it has seemed to cloud up a little, hasn't it? Mm. Oh, there's my umbrella in back of this big Christmas box. Ooh, look, there's a little tear in the paper. Where? There. <laughs> oh, clumsy me. Well, now it's open. I guess there's no use turning back. Oh, I'm so excited, Katie. I'll bet it's a dress I was hinting about from Miller's department store. It's empty. There's nothing in this box. Oh, yes, there is. At the bottom. It's a car. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's see what it says. Well, I like that. What's it say? It says, I thought I told you to stay out of here, nosy. <laughs> well, that settles it. He's going to get a sweater and like it. Knit two, pearl one, knit two. Oops! I dropped a stitch. Oh, dear. Well, I can save it if I just put my needle through this loop. Oops! There goes another. Oh, I guess I should have pulled this through. Oops! Oh, well, I was going to do that row over anyway. Darn it, this is slow work. Are you having trouble, Mrs. Cooper? Oh, I'm having an awful time with this sweater I'm knitting for George. Is that a sweater? Well, what does it look like? That's a very good question. <laughs> oh, I know it's a mess, Katie, and I can't understand it. I followed the directions exactly. Let's see. What's this thing sticking up here? It looks like a sock. It is. It is? Yes. The direction said, purl three inches and then knit a foot. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, it didn't mean that. I thought it seemed odd. 
I thought maybe I was knitting socks to match the sweater and I could cut them loose later. <laughs> I see. Well, the rest of it is... Wait a minute. What's this hole for? That's the neck. Oh. Then what's this hole next to it for? <laughs> oh, how do you like that? I left two openings for his head. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, you'd better rip it out and start over. No, it's a shame to waste all that work. I ought to give it to someone. Do you know anyone with two heads, Katie? Not offhand. Oh, wait, I know. I'll knit a belt on the other end of it, and he can use it for pants. <laughs> no? No. Oh, I'm not good for anything. I wish I could knit like George's mother can. She doesn't even look at it, and it comes out just perfectly. Oh, that reminds me, Mrs. Cooper. Uh, Mr. Cooper's mother called before and said she was coming over this morning. Oh, Keen. I wonder what Nosy Rosie wants. <laughs> she didn't say. Maybe she's just coming over to visit. Ha! Mother Cooper never comes over just to visit. She comes over to see what I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing, what I'm not doing that I should be doing, what I'm doing that if she were doing it, she'd do it a lot better. <laughs> Oh, Mrs. Cooper isn't that bad. Let's face it, Katie. She only lives to see how badly I keep house. An unmade bed is like a transfusion to her. Gives her strength to run her finger along a table and see if there's any dust on it. Well, she won't find any dust in this house. Oh, you dreamer. <laughs> no, you can't win, Katie. Sometimes I think she's got dirt tattooed on the end of her finger. <laughs> oh, why did she ever move to town? I don't know. But brooding about it isn't going to get this sweater finished. I guess I'll have to rip most of it out. You'll never finish it by Christmas. Well, George will understand. I'll give him get, give him what I have done and tell him I'll finish it later. Yes, ma'am. Yoo-hoo! Anybody home? Lar, she blows. <laughs> Mr. Cooper's mother. Who else walks in without ringing the bell? She knows if she rang it, I'd pretend not to be home the old... Uh, in here, mother! I'll sneak upstairs, make the beds in case she goes up there. Oh, there you are, Elizabeth. How are you, dear? Fine, Mother Cooper. How are you? Well, here's a sight I never thought I'd see. Elizabeth Cooper dusting. <laughs> I'm not dusting. Oh, then why are you holding that dirty old dust rag? <laughs> That's a sweater I'm knitting. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, dear. I didn't look very closely. Whose dog is it for? <laughs> Yours. <laughs> huh? It happens to be for George. For George? Oh, no! Oh, I could die! Yes, but you won't. <laughs> Sorry, Elizabeth. I've hurt your feelings. How could you tell? Uh, come on in, Mother. Pull up a dust ball and sit down. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, I came over to talk to you about something. Yes? You remember you invited me to spend Christmas with you? Well, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Oh? Aunt Bessie wrote and told me she's going to be all alone for Christmas. So I think I should go there and spend it with her, don't you? Yes. What was the bad news? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Well, 
gee, I don't know. It means quite a change in our plan. Oh, well, then I... But uh, anything for dear old Aunt Bessie. <laughs> yes, the poor soul was wondering if you and George would mind giving me up just this one Christmas. Only one, huh? <laughs> well, I'll force myself. Uh, go to poor old Aunt Bessie. Oh, well, then it's all settled. I'll go right home and write Aunt Bessie. Aunt Elizabeth. Yes? If I may make a suggestion, dear, I wouldn't bother finishing that sweater if I were you. Oh, you wouldn't? Oh, now, please, Elizabeth. It's no disgrace not to be able to knit. You have other talents. I have? You must have. <laughs> I mean, uh, some wives can knit, and some wives can cook, and some are beautiful, and some are intelligent, and you're, uh, uh, you're, uh, uh, well, I have to run along, dear. <laughs> are you driving, or shall I call the Yellow Broomstick Company? <laughs> oh, my Elizabeth, you're so sensitive. Now, if I've said anything, it's just for your own good. My goodness, if I can't make a suggestion, then what am I here for? Oh, you're beginning to wonder, too. <laughs> I'm only trying to help you, dear. I don't want you to be embarrassed. You see, I knitted George a beautiful cashmere sweater. Oh, you did? Yes, and I don't want you to suffer through any comparisons. Well, goodbye, dear. What are you running your finger around the table for? Forget where you parked your gum? <laughs> Would you look at my finger? It's just black with dust. Well, there's only one thing for you to do. Talk to Katie? No, wash your hands. <laughs> oh, no. That doesn't make your house any cleaner, dear. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't bother coming to the door. Oh, Katie. Well, what's the matter, Mrs. Cooper? She's knitted Georgia sweater for Christmas. No. Yes, yeah, so I have to finish mine, and it has to be better than hers. Give me that knitting. Knit one, purl two. Knit one, purl two. Knit one, purl two. Oops! It's dollars to a dish of jello that Liz will have a tough time getting out of that spot. But look, here's a holiday treat for your family they sure won't want to exchange. It's Christmassy jellied mincemeat made with rich red cherry jello. Just prepare cherry jello as usual, and when slightly thickened, fold in one cup of moist mincemeat. Chill until firm in individual molds and garnish with rum flavored sweetened whipped cream. Good? Why, it's the zestiest holiday dessert that ever made Christmas merry. Sparkling red cherry jello, luscious with tempting mincemeat. All six delicious jello flavors fit right in the holiday mood. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. They're rich with locked in goodness, and they're bright and gay as a Christmas tree. So look for those big red letters on the box. They spell jello, and jello is a registered trademark of the General Foods Corporation. J-E-L-L-O! And now, back to the Coopers. Liz is still busily working on the sweater that she has vowed to finish for George by Christmas time. Knit one, purl two. Knit one, purl two. 
Knit one. Pearl. Mrs. Cooper. One. Pearl two. Knit one. Pearl. Are you still up, Mrs. Cooper? It's three o'clock in the morning. What day? Oh, I can't help it, Katie. I have to finish this sweater. How's it coming? I don't know. I haven't been able to see for two hours. It feels all right. Let me take a look. Well, you've licked the neck problem. Only one neck hole. Goody. What's this thing? What? Oh, that's the sleeve. Oh. And what's this one? That's the other sleeve. Mrs. Cooper. Yes? What's this one? <laughs> oh, no. Three sleeves. Katie, do you know anybody with three? No. No. Well, here I go again. Liz the Ripper. I'm losing ground, Katie. By Christmas, I'll owe the sweater three balls of yarn. <laughs> coffee, Mr. Cooper? No, thanks. I'm late now. Uh, tell good, uh, Liz goodbye for me, will you? Oh, here's Sleeping Beauty now. Morning, Mrs. Cooper. Morning, uh, Liz. Hello. Uh, um. Open your eyes, dear. They are open. Well, maybe some food will help you. Try this. No, thank you. I don't like tomato juice. Well, that's not tomato juice. It's milk. Why is it red? <laughs> it isn't. That's the glow from your eyes. Ooh. Uh, what were you doing last night, Liz? Oh, just working in Santa's sweatshop. Hmm, making something for me? No. Oh, come on, what is it? Well, give me a hint. Now look who wants a hint. All right, I'll give you the same kind you gave me. It's got three arms, two necks, and a foot sticking out of its back. <laughs> You're knitting me a sweater. What? Oh, that was a pretty wild guess, wasn't it? <laughs> Imagine you knitting a sweater. <laughs> Katie, hand me a knife and tell me where he is. <laughs> hey, well, I've got to run. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye. <laughs> I thought he knew for a minute. Oh, he's so smart. That's just another reason why I have to finish the sweater. Will you get me my knitting, Katie? It's in the hall closet. All right, but I think you should give your eyes a rest. I can't help it. I've got to finish. Mrs. Cooper, did you rewrap that box and put it back here in the closet? No, why? Well, there's another one here. Let's see. Oh, how do you like that? I didn't even see it. That must be my present. Open it, Katie. Me? Yes, then when George asks me if I open it, I won't be lying when I say no. All the things I do. Oh, it's from Miller's. I, I hope it's... It is, Katie. It's the dress, but it's red. Bright red. Oh, that man. What was he thinking about? I can't wear red with my hair. If I put that dress on, I'd look like an unguentine ad. <laughs> well, you can get it exchanged for another one after Christmas. No, I can't. They only had one green one my size. Katie, I'm going down and exchange it right now. But what will Mr. Cooper say when you open the box on Christmas and the dress is green? Uh, I'll tell him the color ran. So long, Katie. <laughs> Mrs. 
Knit one, purl two, knit one. Purl... Yes, ma'am, you're there. Uh, just a minute till I finish this row. Knit one, purl two, knit one. There. And when you get that sweater finished, are you going to try to exchange it? No. No, I'd like to exchange a Christmas present. I beg your pardon? I'd like to exchange a Christmas present. Aren't you a little late for last year? It's this year's Christmas present. Oh, well, in that case, what day is this? The 20th. For a minute, I thought I'd overslept. I uh, just happened to receive this present a little early. Ooh, we've been snoopy, haven't we? Never mind. I'd like to exchange this for a dress that's the right color for my hair. Well, I don't think we have a dress that shade. Why don't you take a black one and give it a henna rinse? (laughs) Oh, I'll bet you're a scream when you get out your chicken inspector badge. Will you exchange this dress or not? Well, I'll exchange it on one condition, that you return my telephone cord. Now, what would I be doing with your telephone cord? Well, I don't know, but you've got it knitted into your sweater. Oh! Did they exchange it? Yes, I got the most beautiful Kelly green dress you've ever seen. Good. I'll get it. Hello. Hello, Liz. I just talked to Mother, and she's leaving a day earlier than she planned. Oh, how wonderful. For Aunt Bessie. I'm going to bring her by the house uh, to pick up her Christmas presents. You'd better have it ready. Okay, where is it? I put it in the hall closet. (laughs) You did what? I put it in the hall closet. It's a big box from Miller's. Miller's? Yeah, yeah. we'll be there in about an hour, honey. Goodbye. Wait a minute, George. Uh, Oh, Katie, I exchanged the wrong present. That dress was for Mother Cooper. No. Yes, and they'll be here in an hour. I'll have to rush down and exchange it again. Wait a minute. Why not let her take the new one? Oh, no, she can't stand green. It clashes with her complexion. (laughs) I'll see you in an hour, I hope. Uh, pardon me. Yes, madam. What can I do for... <laughs> uh, I'd like to exchange something, please. Well, what goody have we poked our nose into this time? Now, look. I'm in a hurry, and I want to exchange this dress. Didn't you just exchange a red dress exactly like this? Yes. I'd like the red one back in exchange for this green one. Hey, don't tell me. I know. You've rented yourself out as a stop signal. <laughs> Please, I don't have time to explain. Uh, Won't it still clash with your hair? No. Oh, I get it. You're going to dye your hair green. No! You're going to shave your head. All right, I'm going to shave my head and paint it green. Now, may I have my exchange slip? It's certainly here. And this. What? Will you bring your head in and let me see it? I made it. Did you get the red dress back? It's safe in this box. 
Are they here yet, Katie? Yes. Mr. Cooper and his mother just came in the front door. I told them you were upstairs. Thanks. And, Mrs. Cooper, yeah? I worked on the sweater while you were gone. There's only one row left to do. Oh, Katie. I put it back in the desk drawer. Oh, you're a darling. I better get in there and give Mother Cooper her present. <laughs> Hello, Mother Cooper. Elizabeth. Hi, Liz. Hi, honey. Well, Mother, here's your present. Oh, thank you, dear. Oh, uh, wait a minute, Liz. You've made a mistake. I've what? Oh, that's not Mother's present. It isn't? No, that's yours. No, 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 no. Well, it's nothing to get excited about. No? I'll get Mother's present. It's up on the shelf in the closet. What are you looking so glum about, dear? It's Christmas time. Be gay and happy. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Oh, go jingle your own bells. How's your sweater coming, dear? Or did you give it up? <laughs> no, I didn't give it up. <laughs> it's right here in the desk drawer. Would you care to see it? Yes. Right here. You... Oh, you bought this. No, I didn't. It isn't even finished yet, see? Your cab is here, Mother. Come on. Uh, coming, baby. Um, Elizabeth, let me see how you finished that neck. Ah, yes. Wonderful. Well, let's go. You just have time to get to the station. Here's your present. Oh, thank you both, you dear children. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you after the holidays. Goodbye, Mother. Oh. What's the matter? Well, there's something cutting my ankle. Huh, it's a piece of yarn. Yarn? Yeah. Look, it goes all the way down the stairs and along the walk and into the cab with Mother. Oh, put your foot on it, George. Break it, quick! Oh, there it broke. I never should have let her near it. I wonder where it comes from. Look, it goes right in the door and along the hall and... Right into the living room and across the carpet and up on the desk and all. Liz, you are knitting me a sweater. And isn't it wonderful? You've got two inches finished already. Yes, Lucille, where to tonight? Come, Robert, we're going back, back, back to the dawn of civilization, the days of the caveman. Of course, no one will understand caveman language, so I will translate. Wilbur, a little prehistoric music. Translation. Get up, Neanderthal. Civilization just dawned. Translation. You don't love me, Neanderthal. You haven't hit me on the head with a club lately. Huh? Oh, sorry. I want jello with its six delicious flavors. Ugly, bugly, babby, oing, boing, and lime. Translation. 
Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and fluke. <laughs> Jello make you think of the real right Ogobug itself. Translation, fruit. So look for big red letters on the box. They spell Jello, and Jello spells a treat. Uh, uh. Because the. <laughs> Because the flavor is locked in and can't get out till your first delectable spoonful. Translation. Yum, yum, yum. Good night, Neanderbal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Christmas and New Year holiday season is a period of neighborly getting together and renewing community ties. It's a time when every American should be even more aware of the individual liberties he enjoys in the United States. And this freedom demands that each of us fulfills our duties as a citizen. To vote, to serve on juries, and to participate in community, state, and national affairs. By making our form of government work better here, we strengthen democracy everywhere. We provide an example of a free government which preserves the rights and the dignity of the individual. So remember... Freedom is everybody's job. You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr., Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie the Maid was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in the Columbia picture, Miss Grant Takes Richmond. And be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week. Presented by... J-E-L-L Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Yum, yum, yum. Jello puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jello cut. The yolk of puddings. Yes, sir. Cabin syrup for mine, 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 mine. With that real Northwoods flavor, so fine, oh, so fine. Blended cane into maple, it's tops on your table. That real maple flavor does pancakes a favor. It's log cabin syrup for mine, 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 mine. Yes, Log Cabin is the syrup with that delicious Northwoods maple flavor. It's America's most popular quality table syrup. Enjoy it on waffles or pancakes for Sunday night suppers, as well as at breakfast. It's Log Cabin syrup for my, 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 my. Listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week. Bible Mom speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Chesterfield time with Glenn Miller, and he really has a stocking full of tunes. It's the night before Christmas, and all through the band, we're singing and ringing and rocking the stand. 
trumpets are blaring and bursting with pride. The Chesterfield smokers are satisfied. Well, I'm speaking for Hutton and for Modern Air. It's time to forget all your worries and cares. So for Ray and for Douglas, in fact, the whole band. From us, us, Merry Christmas to all your land.
good night became our last goodbye.
Well, the Sun Valley Jump, just to remind you of our picture of practically the same name, and that takes care of our Christmas Eve serenade. And now for Marion Hutton. Merry Christmas. For Ray Everly. Merry Christmas. The Modern Airs. Merry Christmas. For Paul and the boys in the band. Merry Christmas. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen in Miracle on 34th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Our Christmas present to you is the new Christmas classic of our time, Miracle on 34th Street. It's wrapped in a gay covering of laughter, tied with a bright ribbon of good humor, and decorated with the three sparkling stars of the 20th Century Fox picture, Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and Edmund Gwen. This is a wonderful story for the whole family. And perhaps some families may be gathered around a Christmas tree as they listen. Others will be putting up this happy sign of the season in a few days with lights and ornaments and the shining snow that can be made with Lux Flakes. Later, we'll tell you how to do this trick with Lux. But right now, it's curtain time for the play that proves there's a Santa Claus. Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen in his Academy Award-winning performance as Chris Kingle. It's Thanksgiving Day in New York City. On a broad avenue adjoining Central Park, an annual event is being joyfully awaited. The spectacular parade presented by Macy's Department Store to herald in the Christmas season. Away from the crowd are two of Macy's public relations experts. He's simply wonderful, Mrs. Walker. Just look at him on that float. The most realistic Santa Claus we've ever had. Why, he didn't even need any padding, did he? Padding? Why, didn't you notice his tummy? So round, so firm, so fully packed. Well, now that everything's under control, where on earth did you find him? I I don't know. I, I just turned around and there he was. And to think that the man whose place he took was intoxicated. With a breath that would knock over a reindeer. Oh, just think if Mr. Macy had seen him. What if Mr. Gimble had seen him? Competition between our stores is tough enough. <laughs> well, the parade's starting. Let's stand at the curb. Not I, Mr. Shellhammer. I'm going home to relax. Anyway, I can see it from there. I live just around the corner. Oh, so you do. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Mrs. Walker. And congratulations on finding the best Santa Claus in Macy's history. Certainly is a wonderful parade, Susan. Just look at that clown. Gosh, what a giant. Giant, Mr. Gailey? There are no such things as giants. Well, not now, maybe, but in olden days, there's... Really, Mr. Gailey? 
And you a lawyer. Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? You know, Jack and the Beanstalk? Everybody knows that's a fairy tale. And I agree with my mother. Fairy tales are silly. Come in. Good afternoon. Oh, hello, Mother. I'm watching the parade. Mr. Gailey invited me. Hello, darling. Susie's told me quite a lot about you, Mrs. Walker. She told me quite a lot about you, too, the man in the front apartment. <laughs> well, this is all part of a plot, Mrs. Walker. I'm very fond of Susie, but I I also wanted to meet you. At least you're frank. Oh, don't even mention the name. Why not, Mother? Well, that Santa Claus you see is a last-minute substitute. But why? Oh, remember the way the janitor was last New Year's? Oh, my... I, um, I see Susan doesn't believe in Santa Claus either. That's right. She never has. Well, that's the end of the parade. Mother, I've been thinking. It's Thanksgiving, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Well, I... Oh, uh, please don't bother. I'll, I'll just have a sandwich or something. But we have such a big turkey. Please, Mother, please. Well, well, I... Did I ask her all right, Mr. Gailey? Susie, shh. <laughs> you asked fine, Susan. Dinner's at three, Mr. Gailey. Hello, Mrs. Walker. Yes, Mr. Shellhammer. Your maid said you were at Thanksgiving dinner, but I, I just had to tell you. Your Santa Claus was stupendous. Well, thank you. Mr. Macy himself wanted to be our toy department Santa Claus. Oh, fine. Can you hire him? Oh, oh, oh I already have. Oh, he's a born salesman. I just feel it. Good. We'll talk about it in the morning. Thanks for calling, Mr. Shellhammer. Here he is, Mr. Shellhammer. Here's Santa Claus. Oh, thank you, Alfred. Thank you. Good morning, Santa Claus. Good morning. Now, before you go to the toy department, here's a list of toys that we have to push. Huh? You know, things we're overstocked on. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. And when that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. Do you understand? I certainly do. Fine, that's fine. Now, take the list, and Alfred here will show you to your throne in the toy department. And don't you forget, you're working for Macy's. Are you really Santa Claus? Why, of course I am. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want a fire engine with a real hose that squirts real wet water. And I won't do it in the house. I'll only do it in the backyard. I promise. And I promise you'll get your fire engine. You see, Mama, I told you you'd get me one. <laughs> That's fine. That's just dandy. You'll wait here, Mortimer. Mama wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Yes, madam? So what's the matter with you? No, no, no. What's the trouble? I told you before, didn't I? The kid wants a fire engine, but there isn't one to be had anywhere in town. Macy's ain't got any. Gimbal's ain't got any. Nobody's got any. My feet are killing me, and you say, okay, he gets the fire engine. But you can get those fire engines at Schoenfeld's, Lexington Avenue. Only four fifty. a wonderful bargain. Schoenfeld? Yes. Hey, I, I don't get it. Oh, I follow the toy market very closely. Macy's sending people to other stores? Yes. Are you kidding? <laughs> the one important thing is to make the children happy. Whether Macy's or somebody else sells the toy doesn't matter. Oh, don't you feel that way? Who, me? Yes. Oh, yes, sure. Only I didn't know Macy's did. 
I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, who's next, please? Right this way to see Santa Claus. <laughs> All right, little girl. You're next. Of course, little girl. You want some roller skates? Well, you shall have them, too. Mama, Mama, he's going to bring me some roller skates. And he has some fine skates here at Macy's, haven't you, Santa Claus? Oh, they're good skates, all right, but, but not quite good enough. Now, I left some really wonderful roller skates at Gimbel's. I'm sure Gimbel's have just what this good little girl wants. Mr. Shellhammer, are you Mr. Shellhammer? Uh, Gimbel's? Gimbel's? That's just what he did say, Gimbel's. Uh, the sales lady said I should speak to you. Gimbel's. I just wanted to congratulate you and Macy's on this wonderful new stunt you're pulling. Gimbel's. Imagine a big outfit like Macy's putting the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. Gimbel's. From now on, I'm going to be a regular Macy customer. All right, Mortimer, we're going. Gimbel's! And there's the toy department over there, Mr. Gailey. You certainly know all about Macy's store, don't you, Susan? Well, that's because my mother works here. But I still think it's silly bringing me here to see Santa Claus. Well, I just feel that when you've talked to okay, him, you might... Okay, Mr. Gailey. I'm certainly willing to try. Well, well, what a fine young lady, eh? What's your name, little girl? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine? Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Mm. Oh, you don't believe that, eh? Uh-uh. You see, my mother's Mrs. Walker. Oh, 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 But I must say you're the best-looking Santa Claus I've ever seen. Really? Your beard, for instance. It doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. <laughs> That's because it's real. Just huh? like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, go ahead. Pull it. My goodness, it is real. Yes, yeah. And now what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Whatever I want, my mother will get. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much. Oh. That's quite right, Susan. Oh, hello, Mother. Hello, Walker. Mr. Gailey. Hello. Um, the explanation for all this is very simple. Your maid's mother sprained her ankle. She had to go home, so she asked me to bring Susie down to you. And as long as we were here, I... I figured we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He has real whiskers, Mother. Susan, would you mind standing over there a minute? If you want me to. I, um, I shouldn't have brought Susie to see Santa, is that it? Now you're making me feel completely heartless. I'm sorry. Don't you see? I tell Susan that Santa Claus is a myth. And you sure are a very convincing old man with real whiskers. Well, whom is she to believe? Yeah, that's right, isn't it? When Susan was a baby, her father and I were divorced. And ever since then, I've protected my child by teaching her realities. If you don't believe in fairy tales and fantasy, you can never be hurt or disillusioned. We were talking about Susie, Mrs. Walker. And I must ask you to let me raise her as I see fit. All right, dear. The store's going to close soon. We'll run along to my office. Alfred said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Oh, um, oh, yes, come in. I, um, uh, I'd be grateful if you would please tell Susan that you're not really Santa Claus, that there actually is no such person. Oh, but Mrs. Walker, not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, 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 you misunderstand. I, I want you to tell her the truth. Now, um, uh, what's your real name? Chris Kringle, and I always tell the truth. 
Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second grade. I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. My goodness, the second grade? Very well. I have your employment card right here. I'll look it up on that. Mm. That's a very cute dress you have on, Susan. It's for Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh. So, <clears throat> you always tell the truth, do you? Mm -hmm. Look at your employment card. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You may call the home if you'd care to confirm that, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you also like me to confirm this? What's that? Date of birth. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Place of birth. North Pole. Now, really. Why, I believe you doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, that. Dasher, dancer, prancer, and vixen. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. Um, uh, Kringle. But the uh, the Santa Claus that we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to him to. Uh... What have I done something wrong? Uh, no, no, no. It's it's just that we feel. Oh, excuse me. Hello. Uh, this is Mr. Shellhammer, Mrs. Walker. Drop whatever you're doing. Mr. Macy wants to see us immediately. Oh, I'll be right up. Um, I'm afraid I'll have to be very abrupt with you. I have to see Mr. Macy. You'll be paid for the full week, Mr. Kringle, and uh, I'll send your check to that address. Oh, uh, come right in, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shellhammer. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Now, about this new policy you two initiated. Uh, oh. Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimble. Well, I, I, I can explain everything, Mr. Macy. You don't have I... to explain a thing. Just look at my desk. Forty-two telegrams and over 500 phone calls. Grateful parents expressing undying gratitude to Macy's department store. Why, you, you don't say. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but every salesperson in the entire store. You mean that if we haven't got what the customer asks for, we're to... We're to send him where he can get it. No high-pressuring and forcing a customer to take something he doesn't really want. I think that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. Why, we'll be known as, uh, as the helpful store, the friendly store. The store that places public service ahead of profits. And consequently, we will make more profits than ever. <laughs> As for you, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Shellhammer, you'll find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelope. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And tell that wonderful Santa Claus I won't forget him either. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'll tell him myself in the morning. Uh, yes, indeed, Mr. Macy. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Mr. Macy. And thank you again, sir. Oh... Imagine a bonus. Yes. Well, what's the matter with you? Mr. Shellhammer, I just fired him. Who? Santa Claus. Oh, no, 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 you couldn't have. But I did. He, he's crazy, Mr. Shellhammer. He really thinks he is Santa Claus. I don't care if he thinks he, he's the Easter Bunny. Find him. <laughs> Act two of Miracle on 34th Street will continue in a moment. Well, Libby, have you given Santa your Christmas list? Yes, indeed, John. And number one on my list is a pair of Chinese pajamas with a three-quarter coat and little upstanding collar. Just like the ones Mata Torin wears in Rogue's Regiment. Perhaps you'd better have the wardrobe mistress of Universal International show Santa what you mean. Well, I'm sure Dick Powell or Stephen McNally could give him a good description. They found Marta very glamorous in this modern story of the French Foreign Legion. And what a villain Vincent Price is in Rogue's Regiment. Mm -hmm. I was on the edge of my seat through the whole picture. 
And you talk about a pair of pajamas. <laughs> well, they were very special. Marta liked them so well, she had four pairs made for her personal wardrobe. And she was delighted when they told her she could lux them. That's about the easiest care in the world. Especially now with the new tiny diamonds of Lux. Another triumph of the famous Lever Laboratories. These tiny diamonds are so much faster, they burst into suds the instant water touches them. And make wonderfully rich suds that last and last. Don't colors look marvelous when they're luxed? So fresh and new. No wonder smart girls say they won't risk wrong washing methods. Tests prove that with gentle care with Lux Flakes really makes a difference. Lux slips and nighties stayed new looking three times as long. And that's just like getting three pretty slips for the price of one. A really thoughtful Santa would put a box of Lux Flakes in every lingerie gift next Friday night. Here's our producer, Mr. William Keeley. Act two of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Marina O'Hara as Doris, John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. It was a frantic few hours that Doris spent last night, rushing out to the Brooks Memorial Home in Long Island and assuring Chris Kringle that Macy's wanted him back as Santa Claus. Now Chris is again presiding over the crowded toy department. While in her office, Doris and Mr. Shellhammer... Don't you understand, Mr. Shellhammer? That old man with the nice white whiskers insists that he is Santa Claus. Why, he's out of his mind. What if he should have a, a fit or something? Oh, no, I've got to tell Mr. Macy. Yes, but maybe he's only a little crazy. Anyway, you can't be sure until he's examined. We'll send him to Mr. Sawyer. Sawyer? In personnel. He's paid to examine employees, isn't he? And now, by the way, <laughs> what do you think of this? What is it? A full-page ad Macy's is running in tomorrow's newspapers. Macy's is running it? But it's all about the other stores, Gimbel's and Saks I know, and... I know. Mr. Macy's idea to help our customers find what they want. It's revolting, isn't it? <laughs> that Santa Claus certainly has started something. Oh, well. I'll get a hold of him in his lunch hour and send him up to Mr. Sawyer. So I changed my clothes, Mr. Sawyer, and came right up. Oh. Well, then that's your own beard, huh? Oh, oh yes, yes. Mm. Interesting complex in back of that. Why do you carry a cane? Always carry a cane, Mr. Sawyer. Well, that is when I wear street clothes. Hmm. I carved this cane out of a runner from one of my old sleighs. What's that? What's that? With a fine, solid silver top. Oh. <clears throat> who was the first president of the United States? Oh, oh, give me a difficult one. Like who was, who was vice president under James Monroe? I'm conducting this examination. The answer is Daniel D. Tompkins. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh. You're a, you're a rather nervous man, aren't you, Mr. Sawyer? Hmm? <laughs> Tell me, do you um, do you get enough sleep? My personal habits are no concern of yours. Now, what hand am I holding up? Right hand. How many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You bite your nails, too. Oh. <laughs> Stand up now. Feet together. Arms extended. Muscular coordination tests? I've taken dozens of these tests. Mr. Sawyer, are you happy at home? What? That will be all, Mr. Kringle. The examination is over. Thank you. 
Yeah, and it may interest you to know I've been happily married for 22 years. Very happily married. Delighted to hear it. Goodbye, Duh. Mr. Sawyer. Miss Paul. Yes, sir. Get Mrs. Walker on the phone. Yes, sir. But your wife, Mr. Sawyer, she's called four times already. Now, you tell my big fat wife to shut up and mind her own business. Here's Mrs. Walker, sir. All right. All right. <clears throat> Hello. Oh, I, I was just going to call you, Mr. Sawyer. Oh? There's a Dr. Pierce stopping by this afternoon at three. Who's Dr. Pierce? He's the physician at the Brooks home. I thought we might discuss Mr. Kringle's case with him. Well, oh, there's hardly any point in discussing it, Mrs. Walker. Obviously, the old man should be discharged. So, Dr. Pierce, Kringle should be dismissed immediately and sent to a mental institution. Oh, now, just a minute, Mr. Sawyer. Ah, he's deluded saying that he's Santa Claus. It's a delusion for good. I found he only wants to be friendly and helpful. Uh, his whole manner suggests aggressiveness. Look at the way he carries that cane. Mrs. Walker, naturally, I can't discharge that loony, so when he exhibits his maniacal tendencies, please realize the responsibility is completely off. Well, I'm right back where I started. Mrs. Walker, I assure you, Chris Kringle has no maniacal tendency. But if there's the slightest possibility of us causing any trouble... What trouble? All that needs happen is a policeman ask his name. Chris Kringle, clang, clang, and Macy's Santa Claus lands up in the psychopathic ward. Well, you can prevent that very simply. Now, there must be someone here at the store who could rent him a room. Then they could both come to work together. I just as soon he avoided that long train ride to Long Island, anyway. You mean, sort of take custody of him? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mr. Kringle would agree to that? Oh, I'm sure he'll agree. Well, in, in that case... Uh... Now, let me see. Who do I know who could rent him a room? you're going to have dinner with us, Mr. Kringle. Oh, thank you, Susan. I'm also very glad you're going to live next door with Mr. Gailey. Oh, why? Because you're nice to talk to. Oh, <laughs> I say, what a fine young man that Mr. Gailey is, eh? Just think, allowing me to share his apartment, a mere stranger. He did it because Mother hinted to him. Oh, well, anyway, I'm very grateful. Shall I tell you what I did in school today? Oh, by all means. Any games? Yes. And a very silly game, too. Oh? They played zoo, and each child was supposed to be an animal. Oh, but Susan, they were just pretending. But that's what makes the game so silly. Oh. Well, of course, in order to play games, you need imagination. Oh, uh, that's when you see things, but they're not really there, huh? Oh, yes. Yes, but, you know, to me, imagination is a place all by itself. Now, you've heard of the French nation. Mm -hmm. hmm? And the British nation. Yes. Well, this is the imagination. <laughs> no. A very interesting place, too. Now, how would you like to be able to make snowballs in summertime, eh? What? Or be the Statue of Liberty in the morning, and in the afternoon, fly south with a flock of geese? Well, I'm quite sure I'd like it, but... Oh, it's very simple. Very. Well, anyway, look here. The next time they play zoo, you can be a monkey. Be a monkey. Don't you? Oh, I'll show you. Now, first, you bend over a little, like, uh, like this, see? Now, let your arms hang loose, see? Like this? Yes, that's fine, fine. Now, put your hand over here and start scratching, see? <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's excellent, Susan. That's as fine a bit of scratching as I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, 
Now you stop chattering. Chattering? Yes, now listen. <laughs> see? And keep scratching. Now then, look here. We'll do it together, see? Chatter and scratch and scratch and chatter, see? That's fine, Susan. Fine. You're doing beautifully. Beautifully. Yes. <laughs> Susan. Susan. Are you still awake? Uh-huh. I've uh, just come in to say goodnight, Susan. That's all. Now, look here. About Christmas. There must be something you'd like for Christmas. Well, I've certainly thought about something, Mr. Kringle. You have? Well, what is it, eh? Tell me. It's right here on the night table. See? Oh. I tore this page out of a magazine. It's a picture of a house. Oh, that's what you want. Is it a doll's house? Colonial architecture. Oh, not a doll's house. A real house. A real house? Yes. And if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Now, now, now. Wait a minute, Susie. <laughs> what could you possibly do with a big house? Live in it with my mother. And a backyard with a big tree to put a swing on. And a garden. And a... Oh, well. Why even discuss it? Susie. Susie, could I, uh... Could I keep this picture? Just, uh... Just in case? I guess so. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Well, Mr. Gale is waiting for me. Good night, monkey. Good night, Mr. Kringle. Take whichever bed you want, Mr. Kringle. You're very kind, really. Uh, tell me, Mr. Gailey, what is it you just do for a living, eh? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Haslip, Haslip, Sherman, and Mackenzie. Oh. Hmm. And you, uh, you like living here in the city? Well, it's convenient. But someday I'd like to get a place on Long Island. Huh. Not a big house, just one of those junior partner deals around Manhasset. Oh, one of those little colonial houses, eh? Yeah. 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 A little colonial house would be swell. Good. Good, yes. Yeah. You're, um, <clears throat> you're quite fond of Mrs. Walker, aren't you? <laughs> a lot of good it does me. She lives in a cast iron shell that's just a little difficult to penetrate. Oh. Well, you must try a little harder, Mr. Gailey. You know, Mrs. Walker and that child are a couple of lost souls. And it's up to us to help them. See? No. Yes, yeah, she... Oh, well, shall I turn out the light? No, no, no. no? I'm not going to be cheated out of this. You know, all my life I've wondered about it, and now I'm going to find out. Tell me, does Santa Claus sleep with his whiskers outside or inside the cupboard? <laughs> oh, outside, of course. Outside, by all means. The cold air makes them grow. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, come in, Mrs. Walker. Come in. Thank you, Mr. Macy. I've just heard something very exciting. You have? Well, let me tell you something very exciting. Our policy of being kind to customers has tripled our sales. Now, what do you think of that? That's wonderful, Mr. Macy. And Gimbel's thinks it's wonderful, too. Gimbals? Gimbals are adopting the same policy. Well, is that so? And it gives me an idea. As long as Gimbals are doing the same thing, why not some pictures for the newspapers? Uh, pictures? Yes. You and Mr. Gimbal shaking hands. Shaking hands? R.H. Macy and... and Gimbal? 
Well, well, yes. Yes, yes, why not? With Santa Claus. It's a great idea, Mrs. Walker. Macy and Gimble shaking hands. That's enough pictures, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. Gimble? Come on, R.H. Now we'll go over to my store and get some really good pictures. Oh, just a minute. I have something here for Santa Claus. Here you are, Mr. Kringle. A check in appreciation of all you've done. Mr. Macy, why, that's most kind of you. I didn't think you were that generous, R.H. That's quite a check. What are you going to do with it, Mr. Kringle? Well, I have a friend. Uh, Dr. Pierce, he needs a new x-ray machine. You buy the machine through the store. Ten percent discount. Nonsense. Come over to Gimbel's. We'll furnish it at cost. Oh, keep it up, gentlemen. Keep it up. <laughs> at this rate, my friend will have a whole new hospital. <laughs> How did the pictures turn out, Mr. Kringle? Oh, fine, Alfred, fine. How about a game of checkers during lunch, eh? Oh, not today, Chris. I, I don't feel so good. Oh, What's the matter, Alfred? Oh, nothing much. You remember I was telling you how I like to play Santa Claus over at the Y and give out packages to the kids? Yeah. Well, I was telling Mr. Sawyer about it, and he says that's very bad. That psychologically, it's all wrong. Wrong? To be nice to children? Well, he says guys who play Santa Claus do it because when they was young, they must have done something bad. Now they do something they think is good to make up for it, see? It's what he calls a guilt complex. Alfred... What else has he found wrong with you? Oh, nothing much. Just that I hate my father. <laughs> I didn't know it, but he says I do. Excuse me. Hey, ain't you going to have lunch? Later. Right now, I have an appointment with Mr. Sawyer. mean breaking into my office like this? Are you a licensed psychiatrist? What business is it of yours? I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for meddling amateurs who go around practicing it. Oh, shut up. You ought to be horsewhipped. Taking a boy like Alfred and filling him up with complexes and phobias... I be... think I'm better equipped to judge that than you. Just because Alfred wants to be kind to children, you tell him he has a guilt complex. Yes. Having the same delusion, you couldn't possibly understand. Oh. And don't you wave that cane at me. Either you stop analyzing Alfred, or I'll go straight to Mr. Macy and tell him what a contemptible fraud oh, you are. Get out of here. Get out of here before I have you thrown out. There's only one way to handle a man like you. Maybe this'll knock some sense into you. Oh! Oh, help! Oh, my head! My head! Oh! Good day, Mr. Sawyer. Oh, Miss Prawn! Get me the police! Get, get me Mrs. Walker! Get me the psychopathic ward in Bellevue Hospital! You can see Mr. Kringle now, Mr. Gailey. Thank you, nurse. Hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Chris, I've been speaking to the doctors. They said they've given you some tests. Oh, yes. Same old tests. Except this time you failed to pass them. Chris, you deliberately failed. Why? Why? Well, because I had great hopes, Fred. I had a feeling Mrs. Walker was beginning to believe in me, and now... Well, now I discover she was only humoring me all the time. But this wasn't Doris's idea at all. Mr. Sawyer had you sent up here before she even knew about it. But why... Why didn't she come to me and explain things? Because she didn't want to hurt you. Oh, well, it's not just Mrs. Walker. It's... Well, now, take Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, dishonest, deceitful. 
Yet he's out there and I'm in here. Well, if that's normal, I don't want it. But you can't just think of yourself, Chris. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people. People like me who believe in what you stand for and people like, well, like Susie, who are just beginning to. Chris, you're letting us down. I... Well, Fred may be all right. I... Of course you're right. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. You flunked your mental examination, but good. Oh, yes. So I did. Well, well, anyway, you're a lawyer. You fix it. Hey, look, I can't just... Now, I won't let you down, and you won't let me down. Chris, now take it easy. Look, there'll have to be a hearing. If you're going to be committed, it has to be before a judge. Well? Well, if I can do anything at all, it'll have to be in courtroom. Now, sit tight, Chris. I'll get an idea. I have to get an idea. Uh, sent for me, Mr. Mason. I certainly did, Mr. Sawyer. I brought my family to the toy department to see our Santa Claus. And our Santa Claus isn't there. He's in Bellevue. Yes, Mr. Macy. Because he's a lunatic. Yes, sir. A l- lunatic. <laughs> lunatic, my foot. Now, you listen to me, Sawyer. You get that case dropped right away. Or you'll have another lump to match the one he gave you. But it's out of my hands. Mr. Kringle goes to court in the morning. Well, just see that he's back in the toy department by afternoon. Now, get out of here. Oh, Mr. Gailey. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Yes? I've been looking all over for you. I'm Mr. <clears throat> Sawyer. Oh, so you're Sawyer. Yes. I uh, I was just speaking to the court clerk, and he said you represent Mr. Kringle. <clears throat> well, I represent Mr. Macy. Well, then I'll see you in court. Oh, no. Uh, uh, that's what I wanted to speak to you about. Now, Mr. Macy would like to drop the whole case right now. You see, we're most anxious to avoid any publicity. No publicity, oh. huh? Well, that's very interesting. Oh, then you'll cooperate? You know something, Sawyer? You've just given me the idea I've been searching for. Oh, good, good. If I'm going to win this case, I'm going to have to have public opinion and plenty of it. And publicity's just the way to do it. Thanks. And uh, so long, Mr. Sawyer. Uh, Mr. Gailey? But Mr. Gailey! Look at these newspapers, Chris. Here. Uh-huh. Evening Dispatch. Doctors doubt sanity of Santa who launched goodwill campaign. Oh, my. Daily Bulletin. Macy's Santa Claus to have lunacy hearing. Mm. What's this one? The New York Express. Is Chris Kringle crazy? Court case coming. Kiddies cry calamity. (laughs) You've driven the United Nations clear back to page five. Well, get a good night's sleep, Chris. We go before Judge Harper at 10 tomorrow morning. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Our stars will return with Act Three of Miracle on 34th Street in a moment. When a new player signs a contract with 20th Century Fox, she soon gets well acquainted with Miss Helena Sorrell, head dramatic coach. Helena, do you like to watch your pupils perform in the picture? Oh, of course, John, because I take a personal interest in them. 
I'm especially proud of Betty Grable and her new picture, When My Baby Smiles at Me. Betty's become a really fine dramatic actress. She certainly has. She and Dan Daly are magnificent as a couple of vaudeville hoofers. And Betty's costumes in When My Baby Smiles at Me gave me a thrill. And I was amazed how many things the wardrobe department washed with Lux Flakes. It reminded me of my theatrical days when I was on the road and lived in a couple of trunks. A box of Lux Flakes in each? <laughs> That's absolutely true, John. I was never without it, in my hotel or at the theater. Well, then, you, you've probably discovered that the new tiny diamonds of Lux are more wonderful than ever. They're so much faster and richer. Do more for you, too. They remove soil which other types of suds can't. Leave things cleaner, fresher. And Lux Flakes keep colors lovely. You're right there. That's why it's foolish to risk wrong-washing methods that may fade colors. Actual tests show that with gentle Lux Flakes care, colors stay lovely up to three times as long. That's a good tip for girls who get nice blouses and sweaters for Christmas. Right you are. And thank you for coming tonight, Helena Sorrell. We return you now to William Keeley. The curtain rises on the third act of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris... John Payne as Fred, and Edmund Gwen as Chris. For a few weeks, a jolly elderly gentleman named Chris Kringle has been working minor miracles as Macy's Santa Claus. But now his sanity has been seriously questioned. And in a crowded courtroom, Judge Harper listens patiently as the assistant district attorney summons Chris to the witness stand. Now, uh, this is not a trial, Mr. Kringle. It's just a hearing, so you don't have to answer any questions. <clears throat> now then, uh, where do you live, please? Well, it seems to me that's what this hearing will decide, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kringle, do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Of course I do. That's all, Your Honor. The state rests its case. Well, Mr. Gailey... Your Honor, Mr. Mara contends my client is not sane because he believes he is Santa Claus. An entirely logical conclusion. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is crazy. Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper. Yet no one questions your sanity because you are Judge Harper, do they? Mr. Kringle is the subject of this sanity hearing, not I. Well, Your Honor, I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Mr. Mara. I thought you said this was a cut-and-dried sanity hearing. Well, I thought it was, Your Honor. Uh, <clears throat> in view of Mr. Gailey's statement, I'll have to review the entire background of this case. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Hello, Doris. I'm sorry I'm late, but get ready. We're really going to celebrate tonight. What are we celebrating? Well, didn't you read the papers? Santa's mouthpiece throws bombshell on New York's Supreme Court. Oh, Fred, you're not really serious about this. You can't possibly prove that Chris Kringle is Santa Claus. Well, you saw Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble shake hands. That wasn't possible either. What does your firm have to say about it? Hayslip and Mackenzie and, and the rest of them? That I've uh, jeopardized their prestige. And either I drop this impossible case or they'll drop me. You see? So I beat them to it. I quit. Fred! You threw away a career because of a sentimental whim? Well, I'll open my own office. And what kind of clients will you get? Oh, probably a lot of people like Chris who are being pushed around. That's the only fun in law anyway. Doris, look. Don't you have any faith in me at all? No, it's not a question of faith. It's, it's just common sense. But faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. It's not just Chris that's on trial. It's everything he stands for. 
Human kindness and love oh, and dignity. Oh, Fred, listen. We've seen a lot of each other the last couple of weeks. I, well, I've become fond of you. We've talked about some wonderful plans, haven't we? And then you do this. Go on an idealistic binge, throw away your security, and expect me to be happy about it. And I expect too much. Is that it? Well, that's that, I guess. Good night, Doris. Hello. Yes, this is Mr. Merrill. Well, can't it wait till tomorrow? I'm eating din... Who's been subpoenaed? Well, how do you think I feel about it? I'll see you tomorrow. Who's that, dear? R.H. Macy's been subpoenaed. Oh, my. Those reporters. They make me look like a sadistic monster who likes nothing better than to drown pussycats and tear wings off butterflies. Quiet, dear. Tommy's still awake. Oh, oh, yeah. It'd... It'd just break his heart if he knew what his daddy is doing. I'm doing my job as assistant district attorney. Well, I'm not so sure, but, I, but that I agree with them. Mr. Kringle looks like a very nice old man, and I don't see why you have to keep persecuting him. I'm not persecuting him. No, I'm prosecuting him. <laughs> I like the old man, too, but, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know something, Thomas? Sometimes I wish I'd married a butcher or a plumber. Well, if I lose this case, it's very possible you'll get your wish. <laughs> R.H. Macy, I, I wonder what he's going to pull tomorrow. Proceed to the witness, Mr. Gailey. Now then, Mr. Macy, if you recognize the defendant, please tell us who he is. Why, Chris Kringle, of course. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? Sound mind? I wish I had a dozen like him. Mr. Macy, you are under oath. Do you believe that man is Santa Claus? Well, now, that's a rather delicate... Uh... Just think of those headlines tomorrow. Macy admits his Santa Claus is fraud. You keep out of this, Kimball. What did you say? Yo, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, Nothing, Mr. Barra, nothing. <laughs> well, I wish you would. Is that man Santa Claus? Yes, in my opinion, he most certainly is. Your Honor, there is no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Can you prove there isn't any? I won't even try. I'll not waste the court's time with such childish nonsense. Your Honor, the prosecution requests an immediate ruling from this court. Is there or is there not a Santa Claus? Well, now, uh, I, uh... The court will take a short recess to consider the question. Hello, Henry. Why, Charlie, what are you doing here? Can't an old friend visit you in your chambers? And if you ask me, you never needed a friend like you do now. This Kringle case? Well, I certainly don't see what they're making such a fuss about. Henry, that's Santa Claus you've got out there. On trial for lunacy. This case is dynamite. And you're coming up for re-election soon. Charlie, you know what happened last night? Martha brought the grandchildren over. They... they wouldn't kiss Grandpa. They wouldn't even talk to me. Ah, well, see what I mean? If you rule there is no Santa Claus, you better start looking for that chicken farm right now. I'm a responsible judge. How can I seriously rule that there is a Santa Claus? Because of what happens if you don't. The kids read about it and they don't hang up their stockings. Now what happens to all the toys that are supposed to be in those stockings? Nobody buys them. The toy manufacturers have to lay off employees. By now you've got the AFL and the CIO against you. <laughs> 
Yes, and they're going to say it with votes, see? Oh, and the department stores are going to love you, too. <laughs> yes, sir, Henry. And what about the Salvation Army? They got a Santa Claus on every street corner. They're taking a lot of money to help the poor. But go ahead, Henry. You go in there and rule there isn't any Santa Claus. But if you do, you can count on getting just two votes, your own and that district attorney's out there. One vote, Charlie. He, he's a Republican. <laughs> oh, well, let's get this over with. The, uh, the question of Santa Claus seems to be, uh, Largely a matter of opinion. The uh, tradition of American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a controversial matter. But, Your Honor... This court, therefore, intends to keep its mind open. We shall ask for evidence on either side. But the burden of proof clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If Your Honor, please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who, me? No. Thomas Mara, Jr. I believe he and his mother are both in court today. Hi, Papa. Hi. Tommy, do you believe in Santa Claus? I sure do. Gosh, she gave me a brand new sled last year. Now, um, what does Santa Claus look like, Tommy? Well, there he is sitting right over there. Your Honor, I protest. Overruled. Tell me, Tommy, uh... Why are you so sure there's a Santa Claus? Because my papa told me so, didn't you, Papa? Thank you, Tommy. You can go back to your mother now. See you later, Papa. You certainly will. Your Honor. Don't forget Santa Claus. This year I want a football helmet. Don't worry, Tommy. You will get it. Mr. Kringle, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, sir. Your Honor, the state of New York concedes the existence of a Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we demand that Mr. Gailey stop representing and presenting personal opinion as evidence. I insist he submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle here is the one and only Santa Claus. Well, Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of unprejudiced authority? Well, sir, no, not now. I, I need a little time. Why not now? Tomorrow, Your Honor. Very well. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Whew. Oh, brother. Now come, Susan, dear. Finish your supper. But I can't, Mother. All those things they're saying in the newspapers about Mr. Kringle and Mr. Gailey. They're having this trial because he says he's Santa Claus. He's so... He's so kind and, and nice and jolly. He's not like anyone else I know. He must be Santa. You know something? I think perhaps you're right. Is Mr. Kringle sad now, Mother? I'm afraid he must be. Then I'll write him a letter. Maybe that'll make him feel better. I'll cheer him up. Oh, postman, postman. Yeah, lady? Would you mind taking this letter? Oh, sure, lady. We're going straight down to the post office now. Okay, Louie, take it away. Well, what do you know, Louie? Another letter for Santa Claus. Hey, here's a new one. Instead of the North Pole, this kid's got it addressed to Chris Kringle, New York County Courthouse. Well, the kid's right. Huh? 
Oh, yeah, sure. They got him on trial down there. <laughs> he claims he's Santa Claus and the DA claims he's nuts. Hey. Hmm? Hey, I got an idea. Hmm? How many Santa Claus letters we got down there in the dead letter office? Oh, who knows? Must be 50,000 bags and bags all over the joint. I... He... You mean... What, Frankie? Why not? Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of them all? Wouldn't it? <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Look, Louie, soon as we get to the post office, we go and see the supervisor. You know something? I bet we both get promoted. <laughs> defense has been unable to submit one shred of proof that Kris Kringle is the one and only Santa Claus, and since tonight is Christmas Eve, I ask your honor that this hearing be terminated without further delay. I protest I do have evidence. Five minutes ago, you said you didn't. During Mr. Mara's oration, the bailiff handed my client the evidence I refer to. What evidence? This letter, your honor. Oh, yes, Mr. Kringle. It's from Susan Walker. She believes in me. Oh, this letter means more to me than... Anything in the world. That letter, Your Honor, was delivered by the United States Post Office, an official agency of the federal government. The Post Office Department was one of the largest business concerns in the world. Last year, did a gross volume of over $1 billion, Your and this year... Your Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified that the Post Office is getting along so well. <laughs> but what bearing has it on the sanity of that man? My point is that the Post Office Department is a model of efficiency. Furthermore, the laws of this country make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. The state of New York is second to none in his admiration of the post office department. We're very happy to concede, Mr. Gaylis. Uh, for the record, Mr. Mara. For the record. Anything to get on with this case. Thank you. Your Honor, that letter just received by Mr. Kringle is positive proof that a competent... One letter is hardly positive proof. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I, I hesitate to produce them. Come, come, Mr. Gailey. Put them here on my desk. But, Your Honor, I, I don't... said put them on my desk. All right, boys, bring them in. Your, your Honor, what, what is this? Empty those mail sacks on Judge Harper's desk. Yeah. Well, you're... well, but uh, bring them all in or be fined for contempt of court. Uh, no, no, just a second here. Uh, we'll do it, Your Honor, through rain, through sleet, through courtrooms, anything. We deliver. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Your Honor, every one of those letters and every one of those mail sacks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office is to deliver them. Therefore, the post office department recognizes Chris Kringle to be the one and only Santa Claus. Since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. And for heaven's sake, get this mail out of my courtroom. So as soon as I got out of court, I came straight to Macy's to see you, Doris. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you won. <sighs> well, we're having a big Christmas party at the Brooks' home tomorrow morning. I'd like so much to see you and Susan there. We'll be there, Chris. Oh, Chris, couldn't you... Couldn't you come home now and have dinner with us? Now? Tonight? Me? My goodness, Doris, it's... It's Christmas Eve. Alfred! Alfred! Look! Look who came all the way out here to the home, just for our Christmas party. Chris, it's... It's Mr. Macy! Mr. Gimble, too! Oh, excuse me, Alfred. Mrs. Walker and Susan have to leave now, and I want to see them before they go. So forgive me, will you? But, Susie, darling, you've got so many presents. Not the one I wanted. 
Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, what was it? It doesn't matter. I knew I wouldn't get him, but I thought he'd at least tell me why. Susie. I'm sorry, Susie. I tried my best, but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus. Susan. Just a nice old man like Mother said. But I was wrong when I told you that. You must believe in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But that doesn't make sense, Mother. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. What? I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. I found that... Hello, Doris. Fred. Mr. Gailey, Mr. Gailey. Merry Christmas, Susie. Gosh, you'll just get here and we're ready to leave. Oh, I've been here. Oh. And if you're ready to leave, I'll drive you home. Before you go, here. Here's a map I've made for you. You'll miss a lot of traffic. About four miles south, you will see Ashley Avenue. Now, that's the street you want. Ashley Avenue. Thanks, Chris. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Fred. And to you, my dear. And to you, Susie. I believe, Mr. Kringle. I do. Silly, I suppose. But I do. I don't understand it, Fred. The map Chris gave definitely says Ashley Avenue. Well, we've been on Ashley Avenue Stop now for... Stop the car! Oh, stop the car, please! Susie, what is it, darling? What's the matter? There it is! The house! The house! Susie! What in the world? She's running into that house. But at least there's no one home. It's it's brand new. It's, it's just been built. Yeah, for sale, it says. For sale. What on earth is that child up to? Susie! Hey, Susie! Now, come right down. You know you shouldn't run around in other people's houses. That's strange. I'll say. No, no. I mean this house. I've seen this house somewhere. I know I have. Maybe in a magazine or... Mother, it's our house. It's the one I asked him for, Mr. Kringle. Mr. Kringle? I know it is. Oh, you were right, Mommy. You were right. Susie. Mommy told me that if things didn't turn out just the way you wanted them at first... You've still got to believe, and I kept believing. And you were right, Mommy. Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Now where are you going? In back to see if there's a swing. There is one. Oh, there is one. You told her that? About believing? Well, you told me, Fred. <laughs> a sign outside. For sale, huh? Well, we can't let her down, can we? I never really doubted you. It was just my silly common sense. <laughs> it even makes sense to believe in me now. I must be a pretty good lawyer. I take a little old man and legally prove to the world that he's Santa Claus. Now, you know that couldn't be... Fred! What's the matter? There. In the corner. By the fireplace. Oh, no. No. It, it can't be. It, it couldn't. A cane. Chris's cane. There couldn't be two canes like this anywhere in the world. Silver handle and all. Hey, you know something? Maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all.
Before our stars return for their curtain calls, Libby Collins wants to tell you about the wonderful way to decorate your Christmas tree, as we promised at the opening of the show. You can give your tree that fresh-from-the-woods look by covering it with real-looking snow you make yourself from a box of Lux Flakes. So many people have asked for the Lux recipe for Christmas snow that we gave last week. We'll repeat it tonight. Listen carefully. Take a large box of Lux Flakes. Gradually add two cups of lukewarm water and beat with an egg beater until it has the consistency of thick whipped cream. Then, with your fingers, spread the mixture over the branches of your tree. And that's all. This snowy covering dries quickly, it won't melt, and lasts as long as the tree. Ask your dealer for a copy of this Christmas snow recipe. I don't know of any other decoration that costs so little, yet does so much for your tree. It looks lovely used just with tree lights... Or you can add your usual ornaments if you prefer. Try it on your mantle decorations and table arrangements, too. It gives them a very professional look. And makes the whole house look more Christmassy. Now, I'll repeat that recipe. Take a large box of Lux Flakes. Gradually add about two cups of lukewarm water and beat with an egg beater. While moist, spread the mixture along the branches. If you want extra glitter, shake on some shiny artificial snow before the mixture dries. Let the children help. They'll love doing it and love the snowy tree. Back now to our producer, William Keeley. Mr. Kringle's reindeer are waiting on the roof, but we've asked him to pause a moment before he leaves and come back to the footlights with Maureen O'Hara and John Payne. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it was a real thrill to everyone in Hollywood when Edmund Gwen topped his entire 53 years as an actor with his great performance as Chris Kringle. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bill. Everyone connected with Miracle on 34th Street, from George Seaton, the author-director, to the prop man, helped me. They all believed in Santa Claus. How could we help it? I suppose you've got a strenuous time ahead, Chris, covering the entire world in one night. John, if everyone believed in Santa Claus... Peace would break out all over the world in 30 seconds. I hope you won't be too busy to stop at my house. I'll have my stockings hung up. Oh, well, I'll stop in, Marine, but seems rather futile. Why, Chris? Well, I couldn't possibly fill her stocking as well as she does. I see what you mean. (laughs) Bill, after that, I think you'd better tell us all about next week's play. Next week, Marine, a play straight from your native land. It's the 20th Century Fox picture, The Luck of the Irish. And the stars? Well, we have a superb cast. There's Dana Andrews, Ann Baxter, and Cecil Calloway. This is a delightful romance, presided over by a most mysterious leprechaun in the person of Cecil Calloway. I know you'll all enjoy it. We'll be looking forward to it, Bill. And good night. Good night. Good night. Can I give anybody a lift in my sleigh? <laughs> Good night and a merry, merry Christmas. Before we meet again in this theater, the most joyful day in the year will have come and gone. And there are in our time, as in every time, a few foolish men who deride the spirit of Christmas. But in every country and in every time, they are overwhelmed by those who find in it the hope and happiness of the future, by those of us who believe in our hearts that there can be peace on this earth and goodwill among all men.
on behalf of Lever Brothers Company and of us in the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish all of you the happiest of holidays. invite you all to join us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Dana Andrews, Ann Baxter, and Cecil Kellaway in The Luck of the Irish. This is William Keeley saying good night and Merry Christmas. Maureen O'Hara appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of The Snake Pit, starring Olivia de Havilland and Mark Stevens. Edmund Gwen appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the all-star Technicolor musical Words and Music, based on the lives and music of Rogers and Hart. John Payne will soon be seen in the Paramount picture El Paso. Be sure to listen next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of The Luck of the Irish, starring Dana Andrews, Ann Baxter, and Cecil Kellaway. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. So there you have it. Some great uh, Christmas old-time radio from the 1940s. I hope you enjoyed it. And on behalf of Sean and myself, we both wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, we will see you next year on OTR Playlist, part of the Throwback Network.